You're listening to this Sunday's sermon from Hope Church RVA. To find out more about Hope, plan your next visit, or support the work we're doing in Richmond and beyond, visit HopeChurchRVA.com. Well, good morning, everybody. I am just so grateful to be here this morning and grateful to be worshiping with you uh, on this post-Easter Sunday. As I was leaving the house this morning, I said to my wife, I have an idea, and she said, don't do it. (laughs) She knows me pretty well. But David and I were talking about this sermon series a little bit, and uh, he had to be up in Massachusetts to uh, be with his family and to help uh, close off uh, some things with his mom who recently passed. So he's driving home this morning. He said he would be listening live stream, not watching live stream, but listening live stream. So sometimes when a friend is on the road, I like to predict where they are, and I just call them randomly. I'm not going to do that this morning, because if I do that, he'll take up some of my sermon time. You know, he gets a little wordy. So um, what I thought is I would just predict where he is right now to see if he is listening. So David, I'm going to predict that you're somewhere between uh, Waterbury and Danbury, Connecticut. Since you're driving a little U-Haul, you decided not to go 95 through the city. You're going uh, 684 down through New York, and you probably didn't get started early enough. So I want you to text BJ if you are listening, and let him know. And at the benediction, I'll see how far off I was, and I'll let you all know. Now, no fair thinking about that during the whole sermon, okay? Uh, So we'll see if he does it. If the sermon doesn't go well, it's probably because he's at McDonald's and he didn't pray for me this morning, so and he didn't didn't listen. Sometimes on Friday, my wife will pay the bills, and this past Friday, she was doing just that, and I was taking a break from sermon writing, and I said, uh, Meg said to me, well, I just paid uh, the, the last installment of our life insurance bill, so I pointed to my walking boot, and I said, you know, with the way things are going for me, we better increase that coverage. Um, I don't know if I've told you before, I know I preached it before, that sometimes I have a perspective that my glass is half empty rather than half full. My son is a pastor in the city of Richmond, and in January he sent me this this meme that I'll throw up on the screen here. Pastors in January 2020, and then they kind of look a little discouraged in November of 2020. Um, And so sometimes we can feel like that in the midst of this past year. And you don't have to be a pastor to feel that. You have to be a pastor. I think all of us have experienced some of the loss and have lamented the new normal in the world that we live in. And Easter Sunday was a a beautiful and meaningful experience. It was powerful and it was encouraging. But Easter Sunday can also remind some of us that nothing beautiful is really happening inside of us. It's like a New Year's Eve party and you're there and you're like, why don't I feel a part of this? Because there's still the same job, and the same bills, and the same problems, and the same brokenness, and sometimes the same illness that greets us on Monday morning. But if the resurrection is true, if the resurrection is true, then the resurrection of Jesus Christ should change everything for us. We're going to look at a passage in Ephesians this morning that Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. 
As I was studying the passage this morning, I also uh, thought about the church in Ephesus. There, for, for me, in my mind, I kind of went to the city of Richmond a little bit. It had a waterway that would lead out to the, to the, the bigger sea, so they, it was a commercial place of transport. It was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. And the, and the church at Ephesus is also mentioned in the book of Revelation. When John, the writer, says, hey, Ephesus, you have endured, church. You have endured and you haven't grown weary. Thank you for your faithfulness. But you have forsaken the love that you had at first for Jesus Christ. You have forsaken the love that you had at first for Jesus and his people, and you have gone, grown weary of that passion that you used to have. And so now Paul writes this letter to the Ephesians, and he's grateful for them. He opens it up in chapter 1, being grateful for this church, but he reminds them to expand their minds, to remind them of the hope that we have. And we'll pick it up in Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 15. I may stop right in the middle just to make one point, but I'll read it through to you, okay? So here we go. Paul writes this. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that, church, you may know him better. Not just what you see, but I pray also that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. When I first read that, I thought, oh yeah, his glorious inheritance, the eternity that we have in knowing Jesus Christ, but it says his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Could it be that he has inherited us as he came to rescue us, and that gives him great delight and joy? So this could either mean the, the glorious inheritance we have in eternity, or it could also mean that he considers us his glorious inheritance. Either way... It's a beautiful thing to say. And then he prays that they would know his incomparable great power for us who believe. And that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. And now Paul can't help himself seated him far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come as you even sit there in your chairs this morning. And God has placed all things under the feet of Jesus Christ and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body. We are the body of Christ. And what do we do? We are the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Wow. The resurrection power was the hope for the disciples of Jesus Christ. It changed their life from fear and hiding to boldness and fearless living. 
if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true, then we have assurance there is resurrection power for our life today. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the hope of the church. And we are not to walk around with a glass half empty, but full with the presence and the potential of the living God within us. One of my favorite verses from my early days uh, as a believer is from Philippians 1.21. For me to live is Jesus, and to die is to just gain more of him. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I was younger then. <laughs> I was stronger then. I was, I was on fire for my faith in the newness of my faith. But church, in a day where the light inside many of us isn't as bright as it used to be, it's time for us to be fired up again. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means that there is incomparable power for us who believe. In a world where so many of us feel formless and not fit for the world that we're living in, the resurrection means there is incomparable power for us who believe. Craig Barnes, a pastor who spoke at my graduation for seminary many years ago, when I was fired up, he said, you know what? Jesus didn't like tombs. He didn't spend much time in his own tomb, and he's not coming into ours. Instead, he stands at the door and says, why are you settling for this despair? The grief was supposed to be a long and hard journey. I understand there's suffering in this life, but it's not supposed to be your soul friend. It's time to come back to life. The doors are open. All you have to do is to come forth. If we have faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is essential to the core of our faith. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, and if Christ has not been raised, <laughs> our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Is anybody geared out here? Let me say that again. The Apostle Paul said, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. And I am so glad this morning that I still have a reason to preach. It's my hope on my down days that Jesus is alive. If the resurrection is not true, then every challenge that enters into our life can shake us at the core instead of raise us at the core. Every young person that I have done a funeral for, every disease without a cure, every couple that is struggling in our church is a reason for my resignation as a pastor if the resurrection is not true. 
every dead-end job, every broken relationship, every hurting parent, every unforgivable sin against you is a reason to lose faith if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not true. My friend and senior pastor David Dwight, who's probably about Waterbury, Connecticut right now, in preparing the series on the resurrection rights, on the resurrection, resurrection, if we embrace it, should change the way we live and see life. It certainly did for the apostles. Is it doing the same for us? Have we forgotten its significance and the way of changing the whole game? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a game changer. My Red Sox began the season 0-3. And, <laughs> and updated as of last night, they are 5-3 and, and in first place. Game changer. The Baylor Bears were a good basketball team, but nobody thought they would beat the undefeated Gonzaga Bulldogs for the national championship in the NCAA basketball tournament. Game changer. I was on crutches two weeks ago when I preached, and now it's just a cane. <laughs> so how does the resurrection change the whole game for us? What is the assurance we have? Three things this morning. Forgiveness is a game changer. Eternal life is a game changer. And you can trust Jesus with your life is a game changer. The forgiveness of our sins is a game changer. If you've been in church world for a while, don't let this just go over your head. The resurrection means you have been crucified with Christ, but you have also been raised with Christ and forgiven of your sins. The Apostle Paul puts it this way, for if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done with. When we do summer baptisms, often we say this verse when we put the people under the water, for I have been crucified with Christ, identified with him in his death. For I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And now the life that I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This means, church, that I identify my sin with the death of Jesus. You are not identified by sin. You identify your sin with the death of Jesus and identify your life with his resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus Christ means we are raised to a new life, not a better version of your old life. I'm just a little better person now. It doesn't mean we're going to be sinless. But Paul says, where sin increases, where sin is besetting to you, where sin comes up and bites you again, grace increases all the more to cover you. I think it works to say where sin is walking, grace is running. Sin can never outrun grace. 
don't carry around sin like a five pound weight that you can never lose. Church, you were saved by grace, not by greater effort. Church, you were saved by grace, not by greater effort. Church, you are saved by grace, not by greater effort. Why do you think Jesus shouted, Te telestai from the cross? It is finished. If the resurrection is true, then we have assurance. Not, oh, I hope so. We have assurance that our sin is forgiven. And then eternal life is a game changer. The resurrection of Jesus from the dead and our identification with him says that there is eternal life. Jesus said, I gave them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. When my first son was two years old, he was hospitalized with a respiratory virus. The doctors and the nurses came in and asked me to step back for a moment so they could have more room to work with him. So I got up to get a cup of coffee and a newspaper because it was going to be a long night. Do you believe that? (laughs) No way. I said, you can work around me. This was my child, and no one was going to take him from my hand. I held him while they worked. And oh, by the way, church, sometimes we have to hold one another as God works with us. You are a child of God, and no one will snatch you from his hands. And the greatest gift I can give to those who grieve after a loved one has died, is the promise from the book of Revelation that one day there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. This is resurrection power. And this is the promise of eternal life. Oh, church, that you would know the incomparable power for those who believe. And then you can trust Jesus with your life. Trusting Jesus for your life and with your life, it's a game changer. The resurrection of Jesus Christ was undisputed by the disciples. It was undisputed by the disciples that followed him, and it should be undisputable and incomparable power for all of us who believe. Do you believe that? That you have incomparable power? And sometimes for some of you, it might be just like, it helped me get up this morning. Sam Harris is a pretty well-known atheist. Sometimes I'll read those books just to be informed and to see what others are thinking. He's not a fan of Christianity, and he wrote a book called A Letter to a Christian Nation, and this is what he said. The fact that my continuous and public rejection of Christianity does not worry me in the least should suggest to you just how inadequate I think your reasons for being a Christian are. Andy Stanley said recently, how do you think that the Apostle Peter would have responded to that? Peter might say, well, Sam, 
You reference the inadequacy of my reasoning. I'm a fisherman. I'm not the brightest or most colorful crayon in the box. So let me explain my reasoning to you. And Peter might actually say, I really just have one. (laughs) I know Jesus was crucified on the cross. And you may not know this, Sam, but nobody survives a crucifixion. I know Jesus was put in a cave with a large boulder in front of it to seal it up. And I know that there was a Roman soldier sent to guard it so that no one would steal the body. And I know that three days later I was told that Jesus was risen from the dead and was not there. So I unashamedly ran to that cave. And sure enough, he was gone. But I didn't know for sure what happened. I didn't know somebody took the body and they were coming to take me too because I was one of his followers and I could undermine the current Roman Empire. So I ran from that cave and joined with his other followers in a safe house and we locked the door behind us. We didn't know what was going to happen to us or what happened to Jesus. (laughs) But suddenly... Sam, Jesus appeared to us. He spoke to us and he said, peace be with you. He even ate with us. And he kept appearing to us over many days. Sam, the reason for my faith is not a figment of my imagination. My faith stands on the one that was raised from the dead with holes in his hands and feet that were pierced. And I stand on the pierced feet of Jesus Christ. Church, every time that I see a family grieving in a hospital room but still have faith, I am a witness to the resurrection. I am a war of Jesus Christ. Every time I see the persevering faith of a single mom or dad, I am a witness to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Every time I see a life transformed by the love of Jesus Christ, I am a witness to the resurrection of his life. Every time the word of God burns in me and I'm like, where is this coming from and why does this feel so new to me? Every time the word of God burns within us, we are a witness to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. He is alive and Jesus Christ, he is our living hope. There is an incomparable power for us who believe. The church was really fired up after the resurrection and the following of the Holy Spirit to be with them on the day of Pentecost. The church was fired up after the resurrection, and it's time for the church to be fired up again. The church is the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And more than ever, we live in a world that needs to be filled. And you are the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is a game changer. And it's time for the church to get back into the game. Christ died. 
Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, our living hope, we know that you are alive, and we know that you are working in the world, and on the days that we don't see it or don't experience, we pray that you would open the eyes of our heart, Father, that we would know the incomparable power for those of us who believe. And we pray for for those, Lord, that may be drawn to you through your word this morning that they know, that they would know that there could be a power within them. Oh, they may not always feel and experience it, Lord, but you will give them the power to do this life in the midst of the trouble. As they keep their eyes on Jesus and the eternal life he promises. Lord, we can do this, but we can't do this without your power within us. Come, Holy Spirit. and fill your church again. In Jesus' name, amen.